on this episode of Edge of the Web. Address to SEOs that, you know, if you're not actively targeting these featured snippets, your competitors will, Hmm. right? And someone has to show up in voice search, right, for different queries. And it's such a great way to expand your search real estate across voice and across different types to really own that authoritative featured snippet position. Your weekly digital marketing trends with industry trend-setting guests. You're listening and watching Edge of the Web. Winners of Best Podcast from the Content Marketing Institute for 2017. Here at see more at edgeofthewebradio.com. Now, here's your host, Aaron Sparks. All right, this is Edge of the Web, episode 346. I'm your host, Aaron Sparks. Every week we bring you amazing guests to chat up digital trending topics and marketing news. So we unpack a key marketing topic for our digital marketing audience, whether you're part of an agency or a freelancer or part of a firm. This show is for you, so be sure to check out all the recent shows shows over at edgeofthewebradio.com. So if you're new to the show, welcome. We certainly welcome you on board for our live broadcast every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. So this is the ropes that we go through each and every week. We go live with our YouTube live uh, live cast, and you can find us over at youtube.com forward slash edge of the web. And then you can find our podcast. So we take all of this audio, roll it right into iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, all the podcast aggregators. And then we go one more step further, making sure we got some great show notes and multiple blog posts to get all the information as well as transcripts of the show that you can digest as well as taking it all to social as well. So we're trying to hit all the lanes when it comes to giving you information that you need where and when you need it. So check out everything over at edgeofthewebradio.com and get all the show information plus the news that we go over. And make sure that you check out the additional news uh, update uh, podcast that we have each and every show as well. It's a separate show, and it's a small show, uh, 15 minutes or less. Try to get there, but, you know, I tend to talk every once in a while. Check that out because there's some... Certainly some topical information on a regular basis on that show. Edge of the Web is actually brought to you by Site Strategics, uh, the title sponsor of the show. We're the pioneers in agile digital marketing, and their core specialties are SEO, social media, uh, uh, social media marketing, conversion rate optimization, and omni-channel media marketing and broadcast. So if you're interested in what we can do for you, give us a call at 877-SEO-FOR-WEB or 877-736-4932 if you don't want to translate those vanity letters. All right. So, I'd like to introduce the team over in the production booth. We've got Jacob Mann, Studio Creative Director, and Ali Coons, Associate Producer. How are you doing, guys? Hey. hey. Having a Monday. Uh, this is a Monday show, isn't it? <laughs> but it's always a Monday show. It is, yeah. Uh, you know. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can say that's going to be Friday, and we're just going to flow right through it. There we go. There we go. It'll be Friday before you know it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. I appreciate that. If you can actually move time, I'd love to get to Friday right now. I've already stopped your clock in the studio. So. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> All right. Uh, we wanted to make uh, make you aware of uh, upcoming uh, show guests that are going to be on the next few episodes. Next week, we've got J.D. Prater of Quara uh, talking about PPC. Aaron Levy from Tenuity. I always do that. Tenuity uh, on uh, March 23rd. Amy Bishop talking about PPC on the 30th of March. And John Henshaw from Koi Wolf. Uh, we're talking to uh, on the 6th of April. So if you're interested in being part of the show, reach out to us. Drop us a line at info at edgeoftheweb.radio.com. Or if you know somebody that you'd like to see on the show, send us a message over social or to that email, and we certainly can reach out and contact. Set your reminders for the YouTube uh, channel. Make sure you get notified when we actually get live. And sometimes eh, you got to wait a couple minutes here or there for YouTube to uh, buffer correctly. But uh, hey, it's live stream and it's free, right? So to speak. All right, Edge fans, we want, we want to know a little bit more about you. So we're running a quick poll uh, at edgeofthewebradio.com. It's just, just got a couple of questions, and it, it, we're wanting to know what you do and what you're interested in hearing more in 2020. So jump over to the site real quick, and you can dig into that. It's a three-pager, I think. Uh, well, actually, three questions. I'm sorry, not three pages. <laughs> But check it out. Uh, we'd love to hear from our audience, and uh, that's going to help guide us into 2020. 
All right, so that's the show. Housekeeping. Uh, we certainly want to let you go over to the news podcast because we cover everything uh, that's, that's trending right now, including Google updates and things that are moving and shaking in the Google world. But for now, let's, we, let's meet this week's featured guest. Now it's time for Edge of the Web featured interview with Brittany Muller, Senior SEO Scientist at Moz. So Brittany uh, is a senior SEO scientist. That is just, an, that honestly is a fantastic title. And boy, that should be the top of everybody's SEO aspiration to get that title. Brittany Muller, if you don't know her, she's been a senior scientist over at Moz where she's researching SEO concepts, creating educational content, helping to educate people around the world regarding SEO. And she's actually in international conferences regularly. And she's talking about, about SEO trends, desires and, uh, at the, at the uh, uh, product team over at Moz. So let's introduce Brittany Muller. How are you doing, Brittany? Doing good. How are you? Oh, we're good. We're having a Monday. Yeah. Happy Monday. <laughs> ah. Well, I'll tell you what, um, Brittany, it's your second time on the show. We really appreciate you joining us. And uh, thanks for doing so. Uh, you're always championing some great education in the SEO space. So uh, from all of us in SEO, thank you very much. Thank you. That's so nice to hear. You're, you're more than welcome. So Brittany, let us know uh, what your job entails. Yeah, so there's a few different facets to what I do. Um, I structure my work a lot around the research and development side of product, mm -hmm. but also in the educational and testing aspects of SEO in general. So my primary goal is really to be a catalyst of information for other SEOs and just to help them level up, but also to help plant seeds of information mm -hmm. so that all of you can think of the next brilliant thing, you know? Oh, man. So that's a challenge. Hey, there's a lot of things happening right now. And I know you're also <laughs> focused a good deal on machine learning. And we our last show was actually unpacking a lot in that space. Any, anything recent that has come up in that space that you wanted to share, share about real quick? Yes. And I don't know how much I can share, but I will just say that I have had so much fun playing around with time series forecasting models. Um, they can be incredibly accurate with around three years worth of data. Mm -hmm. And so that could be anything from your sales to churn to organic traffic, hmm. um, you name it, anything that has, you know, a reoccurring daily metric, right. you can measure and forecast. And these different models that we've been playing around with are just incredible, incredibly powerful around 4% error rates and oh. really kind of exciting stuff. Yeah. Absolutely, and and obviously you're looking back years over over years over years, and that's where you can get that that predictive analysis uh, to a much greater degree because you're you're still dealing with we're dealing with big data now, and we have full availability of so much data, right? Right, right, exactly. Well, that's 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 a wonderful thing. So, um, any recent reports that you want to share regarding that, or is it still kind of hush hush right now? It's sort of hush-hush. I am working on a paired-back model mm -hmm. to share publicly for people that want to try it out themselves. Okay. And that will come out during some of my next talks. Um, so, yeah, just stay tuned. All right. All right. Uh, well, what else is happening over at Moz? Uh, I know that you are regularly rolling out some, some uh, really cool things for all of us in the SEO world. Now, did something just get launched in February? It feels like a uh, test. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I, 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 I thought I saw a recent tweet here. I, I just didn't see what actually came out. So maybe it's still on the back burner. Maybe I should be hush-hush right now because <laughs> I know that something was, was brewing over there. So we'll just move along. <laughs> we are working on some really good releases. Okay. Um, we have a product that I developed that's currently in beta, which I'm so proud and excited for. Excellent. Um, yeah, so really looking forward to integrating that into, into Moz and see, seeing that help further, you know, SEO's research. Very good. All right. So yeah. we'll, we'll have to swing back around and, and ping you as soon as that actually gets rolled out because uh, we always want to get some, some quick updates going on into uh, SEO and that could very well be a great announcement as well. So we're, we're going to have to hear a little bit more about it after the show. <laughs> All right. So you just did a whiteboard Friday here recently, and it was a, a deep dive into what's 
what's happening in SEO for 2020. And uh, we wanted to get you on the show and ask you to unpack it because we know that, I mean, you're very good at, at direct, uh, delivering the, the Whiteboard Fridays, but you also have a small amount of time to actually unpack that. And, and it's a great Whiteboard Friday. Got to look at all the transcript notes there. But we really wanted to swing back around and, and have give you time to explore a little bit more about what you covered. So you covered with the initial foundational SEO basics. That's that's that always should be a factor of of execution. But uh, let us know some of the for for uh, so the show our show serves a number of different audiences, a lot of digital marketers, a lot of SEOs, but also. Uh, company owners that don't know these spaces and how to actually review what those digital marketing companies are doing for them. So uh, what should they be t paying attention to uh, from a foundational standpoint? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think to have the foundational aspects in place is still key. Mm -hmm. um, but with that said, I love seeing these SEOs like Emily Potter mm -hmm. testing those norms where she removed meta descriptions from an entire section of the site and it actually started to perform better oh, no. because the way that Google was marking it up you know, via the algorithm was actually more enticing for people to oh, click wow. through. So I do think these things should be very specific to your site and to your specific industry. By all means, should you, you know, have the foundations in mind, but I consistently want to challenge people to just try different things, you know, and try things based off what you're seeing in search results, mm -hmm. right? Because Google houses all of this information. So they know what most people searching for X are looking for. And so when you're looking at that search result page, make mental notes of what are the reoccurring themes? Are they showing lots of images or lots of video? Is it listicles? Mm -hmm. What's going on within all these pages? And how can you apply that to your perspective pages and try to move up the search results? Absolutely. Uh, that that's, seems a bit scary, uh, taking out meta descriptions out of an entire site. But are we yeah. in this space where we should be testing out those? I mean, we we... We got alerted last year that multiple headlines don't really matter. H1s don't really matter. And that was some earth-shattering information. All of a sudden, everything that we've been focused on, getting your H1s right, now we really don't even have yeah. to worry between the... So there was a number of experiments. I know Glenn Gay was actually rolling out a number of experiments regarding uh, removal of headlines or changing of headlines. Um, are we in the space where we should be really experimenting in a large scale with some of the, the uh, structure that we have on our sites. Yeah, I think you have to be so careful when you hear news and research like that mm -hmm. because it's performed with a corpus of data that's probably specific to an individual site or an industry like automotive or medical. You know, these things change so much space to space, especially in the, you know, in the medical health areas. Um, and so making sure that you are running some of your own experiments for the things that your primary concerns are around to see what really works for you. And, you know, there's an incredible amount of case studies where people have done these tests themselves, mm -hmm. but there's also tools available to help you do some of that. So for example, Distilled's ODN, which I have no affiliation with, they do an incredible job of segmenting a set of pages and running tests on those. Mm -hmm. um, you can also do these things by hand and just really see what's working for your users. You know, it all comes back down to what are what are your target market really looking for? Mm -hmm. What is the intent? And are you providing that in a way that is engaging and appealing enough to win those top spots? Absolutely, and and uh, there's an entire conversation uh, to, to unpack regarding consumer intent and search intent. Um, yeah. But you did make make mention in your video um, regarding uh, again. These are some old elements in, in SEO that have always been around the alt text and whether or not we should even use something like that. Um, the fact of the matter is, uh, you 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 point you you you, you uh, delivered it very clearly. Is that all these sites have to still be accessible, yeah. and don't gloss over these key elements. All, albeit there are some old tactics in SEO, they still have to be there, right? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Accessibility is still incredibly important. 
there are still plenty of people using screen readers and that will continue to use screen readers in the future. And we need to help them understand the content and the pages by providing things like alt text. Absolutely. And even, yeah. even to the coding level of, of uh, tab control, making sure that, yeah. that people can actually hit the different nav points the way you want them to. So don't ignore these basics because it, ADA and accessibility is so aligned with SEO. It's all in the same space and you're helping users and Google is rewarding sites that are helping their users, right? Exactly, exactly. What, yeah. about, what about internal linking, cross-linking between different pages? Um, there was, for the longest time, the concept of page sculpting and, and, and page rank sculpting and, and moving uh, uh, value down deeper into the website. Cross-linking is still necessary, is it not? I believe so. Right. And I believe so from both the, the link shaping aspect of it, but also just from the human side of it, where you know, you have people on your site on a regular basis, where are you referring them to next? What's right. the next logical page? Um, and Kevin Indig has incredible, he has a great talk from Tech SEO Boost two years ago, where he talks about doing this at a very large scale. And I think it made a lot of us kind of perk up and think, what are the implications for the sites we work for? Mm -hmm. And so continuing to see different cases roll out where this had incredible impact on large pages that needed to really sort of showcase to Google which pages are the most important, yep. right? And yep. also, again, just for users, where you generally want users to go, what are your high converting pages? Mm -hmm. What pages bring in the most traffic? Like, you, you know, you're likely already aware of those pages and helping to direct people to those will, will be helpful all Absolutely. around. Absolutely, but, but also bearing in mind that, that um, if you if, if that that page that that user's on is an educational page, um, yes. don't move them to a a uh, transactional page uh, immediately be, because they're still in that buyer's journey mindset of exactly. understanding con uh, understanding what you're talking about. So you really should be mindful of of any any in links that you're actually rolling through should be of kind of a Wikipedia mindset of okay, if you're learning this particular piece of content, this is what I want you to learn next, right? Don't jump the exactly. shark, so to speak. No, exactly. It should be very, very natural. It should make sense to a user. Right. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. And that goes with anchor text for it too. You know, if you all of a sudden alter all of your internal links pointing to your green widget page with the anchor text green widget, all right. it's going to start to look a little suspect. So just using it in natural ways that you know, a yep. person would would find helpful. Absolutely, absolutely. So moving up the ladder here, let's talk about schema. Schema has been the buzzword for the last three to four years here of deploying yeah. schema on your website. Um, it's, it's pretty important from an optimization standpoint, is it not? It is absolutely important, yeah. So uh, unpack some of the, the schema types that that as a either business owner or an SEO should be regularly paying attention to and deploying on their website? Yeah, I mean, I think the foundational aspect of this is my business. Mm -hmm. These are where we're, this is where we're located. These are hours. This is our industry type. Just spoon feeding that additional information to Google is incredibly helpful. Right. And then, you know, the SEO, the greedy search person in me wants to capitalize on things like um, FAQ markup, mm -hmm. right? Because that, ex that actually expands your real estate in search results and allows users to interact with questions and answers that you have marked up within a particular page. Um, review markup. I mean, you can do all sorts of granular product markup and even things that aren't even being used within the search results yet. Right. Important to, if you have a direct application for a schema markup that's not currently being shown in search, just try, give it a try. You know, Google loves schema markup and right. they could very well use it and integrate the additional types in the future. Absolutely. And just think of how, how uh, Google gives and rewards early adopters of, yeah. of, uh, of these pieces of data. Absolutely. So especially if you're in a niche market, a niche competitive market, not a national market, although that's still a very, very strong uh, signal. If you're in a niche market, that could very well be that key 
factor that's putting you over the top of your competitors. Uh, if if all of a sudden you're you know, you're you're coming out with just that additional uh, level of of data that that uh, Google can consume, and none of the players in your market are doing that, it could be a winning winning strategy. But I got a I got a question for you, Brittany. How easy, how easy or how difficult is the deployment of schema? And do you know of any tools that make it easier to do that? You know, this is, I'm laughing because this has been a struggle for years, for years. That's why I'm had, asking the question. I, I know it is. It's embarrassing. We still don't have like better examples right. or, you know, use cases or even the examples within the schema documentation will test wrong in the testing tool. And it is, it's, it is extremely frustrating. Yeah. I have, um, I personally have wasted plenty of hours trying to get different things right here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great to see, you know, to copy what's working on other websites that you see in search results, right? right? So what are, what are your competitors using for markup? At least do that mm-hmm. and then experiment with what additional things might be right for you. There are some really great WordPress plugins that mm-hmm. do some heavy lifting for schema, but you just want to be careful to make sure that they don't break upon a WordPress update or that, you know, an update of schema rolls out that isn't integrated with your plugin. Right. Um, so you just want to be mindful of that and maybe set up some sort of alert system. Um, but yeah, my, my personal experience with Yoast has been great because they make it so easy to add just the basic schema types and to integrate basic uh, FAQ mm-hmm. schema. Mm-hmm. So that I really appreciate. And yeah, I'm curious to hear if you have any tools for this. <laughs> oh. oh, well, um, we, we have uh, been experimenting with nlinks.net, uh, a really cool tool uh, that helps not only uh, guide uh, a cross-link strategy, but it also rolls out automatic schema, and it's at a JavaScript level, uh, utilizing a number of uh, Wikipedia schema types. Uh, and references, but it actually can deploy that uh, collectively across the website. But with that, with great power comes great responsibility, right? I'm right. actually challenging my Marvel quotes, <laughs> not my DC quotes. What the heck is that? Anyway, because it, 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 it can get sloppy out there if you're using just automatic tools. And I mean, it's a, it, it, we do recommend that tool. It's a really cool tool. Give them a try. But um, uh, when it comes down to it, that nothing beats hard coding on the page. Yeah, because I would agree. it because you're getting exactly what you're wanting uh, fed up to uh, the the data gods there, and you're not making any type of shortcuts. So part of it is there's no CMS that's ever going to auto generate anything of specific structure, you're going to have to take the dive in the code, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I also, you know, would encourage people working on this or struggling with a particular kind of schema to reach out to different areas of the community, whether it be on Twitter or on different Slack groups. Um, Our community has helped support and teach me so many things and so many others that I think it's a more welcoming space than people think. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's so so many people willing to help now. Yeah. Compare this to 10 years ago. Um, yeah. It's a whole other healthy realm of, of communication support, and, and obviously the conferences are fantastic for that. Um, real quick, by the way, for our listeners, be sure to hit the bell on our YouTube channel so you can get reminded when we actually go live. And if you're interested, we'd certainly love for you to jump in and give us a review on shows like this one because uh, we're able to bring you some really, really sharp guests and they can unpack a lot of information. But we'd love the review on that. All right, so there's a gratuitous plug, uh, Brittany. (laughs) So one of the areas that uh, you you unpacked in the Whiteboard Friday was not to rely on national rankings. What's up with that? Yeah, so that's where we see Google customizing search results the most is by location. So depending on what it is that you're searching, they're going to try to provide you with local Mm -hmm. laws, with local businesses, with local information and context. And so it is incredibly important that you're taking that into consideration with where you're ranking for particular things, especially if you're a local business or targeting a specific area. Make sure that you're not just grabbing national SERPs 
from SEO tools, but that you're grabbing specific location SERP information. Absolutely. So I know Moz uh, provides a local uh, a variable that you can add into your rank tracking, and there's a number of tools that do that. But yeah. we're also realizing that it's not just a particular city, it's also different regions or different areas of, uh, of I mean, we, we can get down to zip code level of, of tracking now, and we're seeing yeah. zip code level of, of SERPs changing, right? Absolutely. And um, just to be transparent, uh, Moz acquired Stat Analytics okay. about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And what was funny was during our recent featured snippet research study, um, one of the engineers was telling me that, you know, we're grabbing all of these search results looking for featured snippets from this very specific location. Hmm. He even sent me a Google Maps link and I could see it was literally outside a person's house. Like that was the position where we said we were pulling all of these search results <laughs> oh. from. So that was pretty cool. Did they literally have just a person <laughs> out there at that point in time <laughs> doing searches in front of the guy's house? I mean, to be able to get that specific. That would have been terrifying. I, one thing I miss from, <laughs> yeah, would have been, but one thing I miss from um, search, uh, Google search results page is the ability to change your location. Yeah. I don't know if you have any insight. Why did they take that away from us? That would have been so beautiful to just have that because we need to be able to help optimize clients from around the country, around the world, right? Why do you think they did that? I, I think it's probably a use case situation where there wasn't a large enough percent of people that were finding it useful right. or, you know, making any sort of use for it. But uh, <laughs> Mozbar does that for free. So if you have Mozbar, you can literally just activate it in your Chrome browser right. and you can add new locations. I think I have like 13 different random cities across America and you can just switch to see what the results look like in that area. I completely that forgot about that. Every I know, lots of people forget about Mozbar. It's so great. It is a very cool tool, especially if you got a paid version and it's piping in some 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 additional factors, but you're absolutely right. They they yeah. you, you guys do have that location change. I completely yeah. space that. So go out and grab the Mozbar, guys. Um, <laughs> but uh, along that local rankings, we're finding ourselves having to uh, duplicate our search, our general searches uh, from a from a keyword grouping into all these different rank checker regional spaces. So what we were running with 50 keywords for a location like Indianapolis, if we're actually going into multiplications, all of a sudden we're having 400 words because we're literally doing 50 word tracking on on different locations. There's just no way to get around that with these tools now, is it? No, there's not. And I think we saw a huge opportunity with that need you know, a while ago in the development of LMA, mm -hmm. so local market analytics, and we're able to, you basically can look at a map of the United States and see how you're ranking for particular keywords in different areas at just a bird's eye view. And it's incredibly helpful for local businesses mm -hmm. that are trying to really expand their reach and expand their regional pull for, for visits. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, that, is, that is the game. Uh, yeah. Whether you're a national company, you're still having to move it, move into the, into the into the local space and compete with a lot of local resources. All right. Um, so this is what I wanted to get back over to is the user intent, uh, search intent. It is a huge factor in understanding uh, how to be able to provide content that's valuable to the consumers. How do you go about that uh, that 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 research? Be able to find what content is really useful. Uh, to your users? Yeah, I think you have to really consider the shift from keywords mm -hmm. to intent. For example, if you do a search for men's sweaters, you'll get some results. And then if you change that to men's cardigans, you'll get very similar results. Mm -hmm. But if you were to change you know, men's to women's sweaters, it's incredibly different, right? right? The intense shift. And so focusing on the intent actually makes your content efforts a bit easier than trying to focus on all of these keywords and keep track of all of these keywords. Mm -hmm. It's really what, what are people searching for and trying to discover in a particular search query? And that's why you have to lean on Google's data. You have to lean on the results that you're seeing for these particular searches. Mm -hmm. And it surfaces so many wonderful things. 
It tells you, you know, who your true competitors in different niches are. It shows you, you know, what sort of content is outperforming others mm-hmm. and how can you cultivate and integrate that sort of value and then some, right? How can you do that better? And so it sounds so basic and so silly, like just look at the search results. But if you can integrate that and if you can write up different ways of doing this at scale, it's incredibly powerful for your site. It gets back to keyword research originally, but not just keyword, uh, obviously. It gets back into you should always be paying attention to what your consumers are, are asking of Google, right? Absolutely. Things are shifting. All, they're shifting all the time. And if if uh, something is trending that you're not paying attention to because you had your keywords set up for rank performance two years ago, yeah, you have no idea of either a new player or just new factors when it comes into decision making for your product or service. Absolutely. And I think we have to consider that acquisition of a customer right? We need to think of keyword research in terms of what is just the discovery keywords, the informational keywords, Mm -hmm. where are they getting closer to the investigation? Where are they doing comparisons where it might be you versus someone? And then transactional queries where they're about to convert or, you know, call or send an email. And what what does that look like for you? And what I typically suggest people do is to flip that triangle on its head and focus on those long tail, lower search volume, high transactional intent keywords. That is where you're going to make an ROI way faster than trying to target the informational keywords that have, you know, tens of thousands of searches, but are too far out of your reach to even focus on yet. Really start to, yeah, flip it upside down, focus on the transactional, focus on the investigational, and then move your way up. And I'll double down on that also, like we talked about, make sure your interlinks to different pages match that stage of the query. Because if you're pushing them yes. too far, too fast, um, yes. you're, you're going to increase your bounce rates. You're not going to be getting what you're getting. So it goes hand in hand. You've got to be able to match where your consumers are, not only from how they're coming in, but where you're routing them to that next stage of the journey. Exactly. Exactly. That was like a holistic Zen moment right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, obviously, uh, user intent is incredibly, incredibly important. Fulfilling the searcher intent, but also uh, you, you um, unpacked a, a, a you stressed a, a, a good, good bit of your whiteboard Friday discussion regarding the featured snippet combat, and uh, we know it as position zero. We know it as a, as a knowledge panel. Um, and well, the knowledge panel is to the side, but this featured snippet combat, especially with the deduplication of losing yeah. the organic rank in light of the favored position zero, um, how, how valuable is this real estate in your opinion? You know, I think it's incredibly valuable. And I know people were sort of up in arms when Google removed the organic result for the featured snippet, but mm-hmm. quite frankly, as a searcher, it's more helpful, right? It gives you more variety. It's less redundancy within the search result. I, that side of me understands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to stress to SEOs that, you know, if you're not actively targeting these featured snippets, your competitors will, hmm. right? And someone has to show up in voice search, right? For different Absolutely. queries. Yep. And it's such a great way to expand your search real estate across voice and across different types to really own that authoritative featured snippet position. Um, and you know, different people are also testing removal of their featured snippet right. because they want they want the FAQ markup, which isn't available anymore if you're in a featured snippet. What will happen is you know that URL will now be somewhere on page two, and page two doesn't show FAQ markup. Mm. So it's a really interesting play to see some of these savvier SEOs experiment with losing the featured snippet on purpose to create a larger real estate below and measure, you know, the organic traffic there versus 
yep. the featured snippet. Absolutely. Um, when it got down to it, it was not only losing the uh, the uh, organic listing, but it was also the the click rate. Uh, what they were experiencing from the click rate of the feature snippet as opposed to the click rate of the organic listing. Um, people are getting all the information they're wanting to know from that featured yeah. snippet. How I'm does so that excited. reconcile to, to uh, uh, you know, the ROI side of things, the transactional side of things, as opposed to the brand support and growth of that value as an authority in the space? Yeah, that's a great question. And my answer would be, finally, we get that information. There have been so many half-done research studies claiming to know what the click-through rate of a featured snippet is. Mm -hmm. And with that organic result present, it's an impossible thing to know. It just is. Google Search Console doesn't give you that information. These tests are faulty. So now we're finally able to perform some better research and better understanding around, is, is the second result having a higher click-through rate for a particular industry? Is the featured snippet getting more traffic? I mean, these are things that we can start to uncover in different sectors. And I know we're really excited and actively working on some of that research. Well, it's great to be able to have the information, and, but uh, brand is not nearly as easily measured yeah. as click traffic. And boy, that's a tough sell to uh, to to your higher ups. Yeah, we're actually going to uh, to stay in the <laughs> featured because we want to build that authority, that eat factor, yeah. right? And and stay away from potentially doubling our click traffic. Um, so I, I, again, it's it's great to be able to have this conversation regularly happening because now you see FCOs really understanding the, the real estate that you have on that SERP, that there's so many valuable areas there. And I mean, it's much more of a, it's no longer such an unstable, I should say unstable scenario. There are anchors of values, what we're seeing with the SERP now that, this didn't, that weren't here five or six years ago. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. And I would also encourage people to, in looking at all of those other staples, consider the keywords that don't currently have a featured snippet, mm -hmm. but could. I have had incredible personal success creating featured snippets in around 30, 40 minutes that didn't exist previously because Google didn't have anything yep. to pull in for that specific answer. And so it's really about making some of your own opportunities where you see questions that aren't being answered, where you see information that isn't packaged up in a summary, easy to consume and easy to say voice-wise mm -hmm. that Google could use for that spot. Um, it's absolutely mind-blowing how fast you can get a featured snippet to show up if you try for a really low volume query right. with a question. You know, um, yeah, it's it's been really fun to play around in that. And 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 the smart plays also looking at people also ask uh, yeah. displays there because not only is it great opportunity to be able to get your featured in there, but what a wealth of information that you can just deep dive into your own website because that's literally crowdsourcing information that your consumers are looking for. Exactly. And it's giving you more context about what most people search for. So when you expand a people also ask box, mm -hmm. two more will likely show up at the bottom right. telling you what people, what, what are the follow-up questions to that? What are people seeking, right? These are definitely things you should be paying attention to. And similarly, in different featured snippet types, we're seeing those carousels along the bottom. Right. So if you do in a broad search for running shoes, it'll have a featured snippet and have, you know, for women, for men. It's basically Google going, what do you want? You know, <laughs> like, let's disambiguate this. What the heck are you looking for? Um, so, yeah, paying attention to those nuances in the featured snippets and, and really the search results that matter to you mm -hmm. are incredibly helpful in crafting and organizing your content in a way that includes those things in a way in which Google could potentially pull that information into the search. I mean, there's no better research tool than than what Google's actually showing up for us. You just have Absolutely. to you have to pay attention to it and annotate it. Make sure that you're watching and documenting this because the last thing you want to do is watch these things and not have some sort of 
factual representation of of where things are and the 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 rank the rank tools now are great by by giving us the ability to understand and inventory the feature snippets that we have right now but this segues into the last key topic that I wanted to open up for you and you really did stress a good a good deal on the uh, whiteboard Friday on this and this was moving from keywords to topics to entities yeah. So really un understanding and providing guidance on, on how you should be looking at your site. It's not just buyer's journey pathways and, and, and user funnels, but it's also how are you actually making a, a, a point of evidence and, and creating a knowledge space regarding entities that you're talking about. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important to show your authority and expertise in a space by having this breadth of entities that correlate with one another and help support the overall goal and information of your website. Mm -hmm. um, this is really what Google pays attention to in you know, their indexing of information. They obviously have their own entity graph and information that way, but they really, really you know, encourage websites and webmasters to think of, you know, what are the people, places, things that correlate with this information or can help support or that people might be searching for and integrating those into your content, into your website can, can be incredibly valuable for your site. Absolutely. And that's when you uh, can strike gold in the knowledge panel side of things. Yeah, um, exactly. That's almost being uh, christened by Google as the authority there. Um, so the, the long and short of it is don't look at your site structure as an organizational flow. Look at are you representing the, the concept that you're talking about the best way. And that gets down to if you've got a, a singular destination page of this entity, build an argument around it with all the chess pieces you have on the board, which are your website pages, as well as the inbound factors coming in. Link to the right source. Don't link to that transactional yeah. page if this, the, the key page that is truly going to be beneficial to the, to the user. And from a data standpoint, Google understanding that you are our authority, you may have to shift your, your link um, pursuits to be able to have the lift on other areas that you didn't consider before. Right. And if your content starts to get, you know, long because of this and because you're trying to provide supportive entities, make sure that it's scannable, hmm. right? Make sure that it feels and looks okay on mobile and someone could just scan oh, wow. for the subtitles and understand what it is that you're getting across. And to take that even to the next level, make sure that you're providing page summaries either at the top or the bottom of a page. We see these summaries, I believe it was for weight loss, um, had control over, I want to say, 28 of the top most searched for weight loss searches. Wow. Because it was this really long you know, article about all different types of weight loss and people and mm -hmm. fitness and food. But at the bottom, it had a really beautiful summarized kind of takeaway. And Google has been using that and featured snippets all over for oh those gosh. weight loss queries. So keeping in mind, you know, it it is long form content can still do incredibly well, but the short summarized omitting needless words, you know, think of it as how you would speak it. And it's funny because you don't realize how concise you should be until you start doing active voice search queries and you start getting long answers back and you're like, God, come on. Like, what is the answer? <laughs> <laughs> and so you, it puts it into perspective that, Oh, like it needs to be real short. Like right. people just want to hear it. Right. They're either on the move or transferring from thing to thing. And so hmm. giving people options to consume, whether it be scanning, whether it be a quick summary, whether it be audio, mm -hmm. right. What if I'm walking to work and would rather listen to this article, right. um, people love video. You know, give, giving them these different opportunities, and I think Google sees that as well, and will reward you, and also, you know, respect the most popular consuming type. You know, you see videos working really well for right. all sorts of things. Very, very good. And that was that last piece that I want to discuss, and it was the repurposing of content. 
and yeah. not not from a repetition standpoint, but for a delivery to the audience. Uh, and, and everybody has their own consumption preference uh, in the digital lanes. Uh, we talk about it often of if it's audio or if it's visual. If predominantly yeah. people are searching. Uh, as opposed to other other uh, digital lanes, you know, feeding them in that space and, and and be able to feed mobile as well as desktop search and uh, and the like. So you, you covered a lo good deal of bases in your video regarding the repurposing. Um, is that now starting to be more um, commonplace in the marketing uh, in the marketing discussions of okay, we're going to move this concept. Now, how are all the uh, all the uh, uh, the feeding tubes for all the different? Uh, uh, that's a weird analogy right there. Um, <laughs> but I mean, is that part and parcel of a mature marketing organization is repurposing for the fa for the goal of delivering it to the user's comfort level? Yeah, you know, I don't think it's thought about enough, to be totally honest. I think as marketers, we get tend to get really excited by shiny new objects and new pieces of content. And we'll I'm I'm just as guilty of this as you know, I'll work really hard on a particular piece of content and put it out there and sort of forget about it for a while. Mm -hmm. When really I should be considering where else could I repurpose this? Where else is my audience? You know, could I put this into a slide share? Right. Could I expand my reach? my online real estate reach with this particular content and see if it does really, really well on Quora or Reddit. And what's fun hmm. is when you get in a specific industry, like um, at my previous company, Pride, we experimented with all sorts of different platforms for very technical medical content. And we looked at the analytics, you know, and we decided, okay, we kind of tried Pinterest and SlideShare and YouTube and Flickr, like we were trying all sorts of weird things. And we saw that we were getting the highest quality traffic from SlideShare. People wanted this medical information in an easy to consume, mm -hmm. simple way. And so we doubled down on that platform. And I highly suggest any of you watching experiment that for your space because you're going to see outliers that outperform the others. And I don't think it's necessary to invest in every platform out there, or every big major player, right. but what are the players for you? And what also, what are you seeing in search results? It's funny enough. Um, Moz has a free domain analysis competitive tool. Mm -hmm. I, I can send you the link. Um, yeah. What it does is it looks at your website's top ranking keywords and it tells you who your competitors based on those keywords are. Right. And it's the most accurate picture of who you're up against. But more often than not, you'll see things like Pinterest and YouTube. And it's just a beautiful reinforcement that you should be investing in repurposing content on these platforms. And not only that, but do it in a strategic way. You know the content that does really well for your site. Mm -hmm. You know the content that converts users or that brings in the most traffic. Restart there, right? Repurpose the most watched videos right. into different things. Repurpose the most viewed blog articles. Um, and so it can be very strategic in that way. Oh, absolutely. And, and, that, and again, that's not an anomaly or an error that you're seeing Pinterest in that competitive space. It means that there's where the consumers are going. So jump into that platform. Absolutely. Exactly. All right. So, uh, Brittany, it's always great to be able to unpack this with you. The last stop along our, our SEO 2020 train here uh, would be what not to do in 2020. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a whole nother bloody show. I realize yeah. that. But yeah. but top of mind here is what I've been watching as kind of a hot potato right now is guest blogging. Hmm. What do you think? Is that still a viable uh, execution? I know that there's been some discussions of potential penalties in that space if rail sponsored is not out there or, or the no follows aren't really uh, addressed in in uh, the content. What is your thought about this? Is guest blogging still a thing? You know, it's funny is I always think to, you know, the late Eric Ward, who made the greatest points about building links like that, and particularly, particularly around guest blogging in that the way that you should look at it, and I believe this is true today, is if Google were to disappear tomorrow, would you still get adequate traffic 
Mm. from other sites. And so if you find an opportunity for a website to publish a post in an area that makes sense and that you think people will visit and read and consume and potentially, you know, go to your site because of, I think by all means you should do that by all means. Now, when you're looking at it just from a link perspective, you can get into hot water, especially if you're spinning out Mm -hmm. low quality unoriginal uh, content and you're not doing it for those right reasons, I would focus your efforts elsewhere. Absolutely. But if you're actually doing that, then you probably have a few other problems that are (laughs) happening along the way. All right. So what else, (laughs) what else should we not do in 2020? Oh, can we just stop getting in, you know, these tiffs online over what a particular word means or, you know, (laughs) I feel like I just, we, our industry is built on the backs of some of the most incredible, brilliant, wonderful people. And it kills me to see these things unfolding week after week on Twitter about most banal things, right? I just, I would hope that as an industry, we can help each other level up. You know, we all deserve that. And especially the new and upcoming hungry SEOs. They deserve that more than any of us. Yeah, because they don't, you certainly don't want to have them see uh, scorched scorched earth when it comes down to communication. However, we have as an industry grown up a bit and we are giving education regularly back to the community but we do slide every once in a while into these in these twitter wars and and you're right it, it it's it's completely <laughs> unnecessary and and you, you you hate seeing that type of uh that uh, uh what do you want to call it just this pettiness right yeah and i also think you know it is super important to take it with a grain of salt i definitely believe you know the obstacle is the way Mm -hmm. if someone gets upset over something you said or something you published you're probably on the right track and the last thing i want is for you know people witnessing you know some of us getting attacked online to deter them from putting out content because we need we need that right we need these new up-and-coming SEOs and people are testing new material. Like right. that's the most exciting part of our industry. That's what got all of us into this is how it's constantly changing. Absolutely. So I think, yeah, I, I wish to see more people breaking things this year and finding new stuff out. Yep. And uh, once you mention some of the people that are be- uh, breaking things, uh, we asked uh, in our pre-show, what excites you about your industry? Uh, we, 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 we know what bugs you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, who are who are breaking uh, some some uh, uh, stereotypes and and really doing some good experimentation? Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, Ruth Everett is doing incredible work with Python and automation of you know crawling for site speed. Hamlet Batista is cranking out incredible scripts to automate all sorts of SEO stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Shapiro, um, J.R. Oaks. I mean, Emily Potter just put out that incredible deck that everyone should check out from the women's conference Mm. over in the UK. I mean, it was so refreshing to see her testing the status quo of SEO norms um, and disproving different things in this particular case. And it was stuff like that is really, really exciting to me. Um, Yeah, Andy Crestedina and his team are constantly pushing the envelope with content and the things that they're testing and experimenting with and are so fun to follow. Uh, Yeah, Tyler Reardon is creating really great Python scripts as well. Um, David Sotomato is, you know, a big hero of mine just because he kind of, he sees things differently and he is pulling in different perspectives that we need in this industry. Um, You're setting up my guest list. You know that. Good, good. And then obviously, like, OG Rand Fishkin is doing the most amazing thing in the world right now with Spark Toro. I don't yep. think people even have a clue how powerful this tool is. I mean, it is it is like scission on steroids. Oh and a four- it, it is unbelievable. I went to school for PR. And knowing where your market is and how they're communicating and who they follow 
and in such an easy to consume way. I mean, I'm just so proud and excited for him. Very good. And we're, we're trying to write down all the names back here. Are you? Are, uh, <laughs> yeah. Good thing we got a transcript. Uh, J.R. Oaks and Paul Shapiro uh, as well. Uh, 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 there's some, uh, I mean, just you rattling. Alexis Sanders, like, oh, so many. <laughs> I could keep going. Oh, well, that's the thing is that, and, and that is the testimony to what's happening in this industry right now. We're in a space of experimentation. We're, we're, we're using machine learning now uh, to, to the greater good as opposed to Skynet. We're actually <laughs> getting, we're, we're right. plugging in now and we're testing. We're trying things out. We're not fearful of breaking a few things on our website because exactly. we're, we're seeing Google a good deal more forgiving and, 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 and appreciating, hey, trying some things out, right? Breaking the norms. Oh my gosh, exactly. Nothing is more refreshing to me than getting emails that aren't asking a silly basic question, but are saying, hey, I tested this thing. Mm -hmm. Look what happened. Emily Brady is a young green SEO who most people probably have not heard of. She is doing the coolest featured snippet tests I've ever seen. Oh, wow. And her theories are encouraging to me, right? These are the things that I want other people to see and be inspired by. And so I think, you know, different SEOs in this space help to lift those other up and coming SEOs up because they're still looking at this so differently. Um, and it's so powerful and so fun to, to see how that unfolds. Absolutely. Well, that's a, yeah. that's a good roundup for SEO good. 2020. Uh, why, uh, that's, that's a ending it up with a nice exclamation point of just lifting up the industry collectively. So kudos yes. to you for giving the shout outs there. Um, uh, Brittany, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, we'd certainly like to have you come back again and, and unpack what's going on at Moz or what, el what else you're actually working on regularly. So the door's always open uh, to, to share with our audience, okay? Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Of course, that. of course. So uh, you had a you had a funny show, a funny moment here, just briefly. You were, well, you were just referencing in our show notes, you were actually supposed to be on The Bachelor, but what um, happened there? You know, this is so funny. I don't know what happens to me on certain days where <laughs> you have this information. This is, um, yeah, <laughs> such a weird fact that I never talk about. I can't believe I put that in the <laughs> Okay, That's super embarrassing. Uh, yeah, I was supposed to be on The Bachelor several years ago and opted out at the very last minute because my dad and my brother were not supportive. Oh, and man. rightly so. Um, yeah, I think it was probably for the best. Yeah, well, yeah we can we can certainly support that. I have a daughter. I, what What do you think would have happened? Like, if I had been on you, the back, do you think you wouldn't I be here? Lost? We wouldn't be. But what my question to you is: yeah. Let's say I did a sh something like that, or someone, you know, some new SEO does a show or something. Can they come out of that and pick something up in an industry and maintain credibility in a in this sort oh, of space? I think so. I'm, I think really? so. Yeah, yeah I, I would hope so. I yeah. would really hope so. I think that was a, a weird, sad concern of mine. Oh, really? Yeah, I, yeah. I can understand. I can understand that. Um, you know, aligning yourself. I, I, in one aspect, you know, I think uh, society is a bit more forgiving than anything else. But at the same time, it's that brand alignment. And does that really translate into into uh, uh, larger challenges i don't know yeah. i think I, I think we need to poll our audience we should god <laughs> that we, is so funny we've got the real question in the studio over here what's that uh, no, the yeah. production studio it's not for me <laughs> who was the bachelor yeah. that season oh yeah it was um he had long dark hair and he did winery stuff and i can't remember his name um yeah. But here's the thing, Brittany, you're still around killing it, and we don't even thank know that you. guy's name. Oh, thank you. That's very <laughs> sweet. No I feel problem. like I must have been insecure filling out my questionnaire that day to mention that I was going to be on the Hey, you shared. It was an thinking? honest thing. Honest thing. And thank you very much for sharing. Fun fact. Fun, Fun fact. Weird fact. <laughs> All right, so we want to make sure that uh, our listeners always check out the news uh, version of the podcast, uh, the news pod, the bonus podcast of this episode, and we certainly unpacked a good deal of topical information. So go check that out. If you're if you're uh, wanting to track down Brittany, where can we find you on social? Yeah, probably most easily on Twitter. I am just Brittany Muller. 
on Twitter. Um, also on Instagram, you can find me on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and my email at Moz is just Brittany M at Moz.com. Very cool. So all the best. Uh, keep up the good work over at Moz. Any Thank final you. notes, any final thoughts for our SEOs in the audience? Ooh. Hmm. One me- thing and one thing only. Okay. Just to have more empathy for other people moving forward. Yeah. We'll roll with that. Absolutely. Well, from all of us over at Edge, thank you so much, Brittany, for being a part of the show. And we are certainly going to catch back up with you here soon. And keep up the good work, all right? Thanks, Aaron. You're more than welcome. All right. So that's a wrap uh, with Edge of the Web. Do not forget to like and subscribe uh, Edge of the Web on YouTube. We want to make sure that you uh, check us down whenever we go live each and every Monday. Uh, And if you're feeling up to it, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing on the respective platforms. Give us a review on YouTube. Uh, Certainly would appreciate the uh, reviews on iTunes and the other podcast aggregators that are out there. If we're not bringing you information that you're wanting to hear, go over to the Edge of the Web radio.com and fill out our anonymous poll. Let us know what you would like to hear and who you would like to actually hear from next. Um, Be sure to check out all the must-see videos and insider information over at edgeofthewebradio.com. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. You can text to the word to the number 22828 uh, the word Edge Talk and be able to join us right there. Or you can also join us on edgeofthewebradio.com. We're sending some great information regarding each and every uh, interview that we do as well as the news of the day. Uh, from all of us over at Edge of the Web. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, next week, we're going to be talking to J.D. Prater. So uh, make sure you tune tune in. It's going to be a great uh, deep dive into Quora PPC. From all of us over at Edge, thanks so much. Do not be a piece of cyber driftwood. Bye-bye.